Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Hello, Global Investor listeners. Before we start today's show, I want to let you know about Belgrad Homes in Tyler, Texas. They're offering newly constructed 130 square meter, 1400 square foot homes for $145,000. They are offering financing to U.S. and foreign investors for 30 years at 6% interest with a 30% down payment. If you're interested, please contact belgradhomes.com, spelled B-E-O-G-R-A-D homes.com. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Mike Van. Mike has been investing in real estate for almost 20 years. He built a $6 million plus personal portfolio across single family, small multifamily, and commercial properties. More recently, Mike and his partners have syndicated over 1,000 multifamily apartments, mainly located in the Midwest. So thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure, Charles. Thank you. So you, you've been involved with a number of different uh, professions and um, what was your background prior to starting to invest in real estate? Uh, well, the, um, grew up with a construction background. My, my parents have a construction company and so I grew up kind of doing that work, mostly the grunt work, but, uh, and worked my way through college actually uh, as a maintenance man in an apartment complex among other jobs but um so i had a good good background in construction and then got into medical sales after college um and uh you know i'm still still work full-time in, in the medical device industry i've been doing that for almost 20 years now and uh, that has also served me well via syndication because i work with a lot of high net worth individuals yeah. and they know what i've been doing over this this whole time as far as investing in real estate so Oh, awesome. So why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle from your, you know, as a, I started off obviously as a part-time thing and then it went into now it's full-time. Yeah. Um, so really the, you know, we all see the late night infomercials with the, the fancy cars and the, the mansions in the background and all that kind of stuff. Carlton Sheets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, Carlton Sheets, exactly where I got my start. Um, saw the late night infomercials and at the time I was working for a pharmaceutical company and uh, went through two layoffs um, successfully. I made it through the layoffs successfully and kept my job. But, uh, you know, at that point it, it showed me that you cannot rely on corporate America, that we're just a number basically and needed to do something else to have, um, you know, a backup plan. And that's kind of what led me to real estate. Oh, awesome. So tell us about your first couple of real estate investments and um, you know, what, what they were, what type of properties and what happened? Well, like most people, I got started with um, single family and small multifamily. Uh, the first property I actually bought was a duplex for sale by owner, was driving for dollars using my uh, Carlton Sheets methods and uh, negotiated a uh, money back at closing type deal uh, with the seller. And, you know, I was off the races from there, but I learned very quickly that I'm not cut out to be a landlord. Um, you know, the first few properties I had, I managed myself. Um, and, uh, I'm just not cut out to, to, to be a landlord. I mean, I can do all the maintenance and stuff myself, but as far as, um, you know, I've just got too big of a heart for 
people and the sob stories as far as why I'm late on rent and this and that just uh, led me to know that third-party management was the route for me. Yeah, no, I know how that works. Uh, I self-managed properties for six years and it was my brother and myself and that was my, my brother, I would have to take care of doing the collections on that. And you yeah. got to put it, you have to really put your foot down. And, uh, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely, it's very difficult if you're, if you're have a full-time profession, that's not the real estate because right. it, I mean, you have to be available if you're self-managing without anybody else. I mean, you have to be available all the time. So it's very time consuming. Um, but you know, that's, that's the beauty of, uh, passively investing or having investors passively right. invest with you from your other businesses and they don't have to worry about that. Right. So your current company focuses on multifamily acquisitions in the Midwest and the South. So what mm-hmm. is your role at Trident Multifamily? So because of my construction background, I do handle a lot of the CapEx projects uh, as far as heading that up, getting you know, the contractors lined out and going over bids and, and uh, so forth. So that's kind of my, my role. We all have overlapping roles as far as what we all do. We all are involved in all parts of the business. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's very important because I, ha- I have two partners, you know, Rodney Miller, which you've interviewed before and then Carl Supercrop. And uh, we all have overlapping, like I said, parts of the business. And I think it's very important to know all parts of the business, but we each have our specialty kind of, where we take on um, you know, diff- different uh, aspects um, specifically. But CapEx is my, is my primary objective. That's great. Yeah, so you guys have a pretty rounded partner between underwriting, capital raising, someone else to work with the renovation asset management, which is, which, is, uh, it, which is quite the, I mean, I imagine now, which I want to get into is COVID and um, what you're changing with it. But how has your investing strategy and goals changed over the past couple months with COVID? Well, you know, first and foremost, our concern was the health and safety of our residents and, and the staff um, on, on site. Um, so, you know, we worked with our property management company. They're very good and they put uh, several measures in place. You know, we went to doing emergency um, maintenance calls only to, to minimize um, exposure to the residents and the staff. Uh, and, you know, as far as um, investing side, you know, capital preservation was our first and foremost um, goal. Um, so, you know, we, we did uh, decide to withhold distributions, like probably 99% of everyone else out there is because the, the depth and duration of this crisis, no one knew. And so, like I said before, with capital preservation being our, our primary focus, um, we wanted to, to be as cash uh, heavy as possible. So we changed our CapEx plan, uh, basically put a halt on that for now and um, went to just doing, you know, just the make readies and things like that. We're still leasing. Um, we're doing that uh, via appointment only. And sometimes if, if possible, we do it virtually. Um, but uh, as far as acquisitions, we're kind of in a hold pattern for now. Uh, we see that there will be some potential opportunities uh, coming on the backside of this from people who may not have been positioned quite as well. Um, you know, unfortunate for them. Uh, hopefully, we can intervene before they get to the bankruptcy side and and help them out of a bad situation. Um, but we also feel that, that there will be some, like I said, even some uh, bankruptcy opportunities on the other side of this to, to pick up some 
properties opportunistically. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely going to be some investors, some properties that come up that have been over leveraged, uh, incorrectly leveraged, or just in, incorrectly, they just don't have the reserves, inadequate reserves. And yeah. I think re- so from, re- some, from reviewing so many deals over the past few years and in the last 24 months, I imagine, I know Carl has told me they've reviewed deals as well from other syndicators and very light on reserves and all that stuff's going to come out to play because mm-hmm. it's just not from here moving forward with any acquisitions. I mean, they're talking 18 months, um, you know, principal and interest in reserve. Um, and then they have now for, I mean, no one was raising that for the most part for other properties right. reserves. It was all six months or something. Right. So, right. And, and that makes deals, uh, you know, with the, the new reserve requirements, that makes most deals not, not pan out from a syndicator standpoint. You just can't uh, hit your return metrics with having to, to hold 12 to 18 months of reserves uh, in cash. Yeah. So if we get a little dip in price though, maybe that makes up for it a little bit, but um, at the, mm-hmm. at the currently it's not, the reserves right. will definitely be compressed. And I mean, you, you won't have the influx of investors. I think like you had over the last uh, 10 years, really. Right. That's one other thing we're trying to do too, is, is educate our investors to potential up- upcoming opportunities and, you know, prepare them to, uh, to, to take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah, we've done the same with what you're saying in regards to the preferred returns. We've we've put a hold on that. And that's also happened with our active and then also for our passive investments as well. Mm-hmm. They've done that, which like, I, you know, I'd rather have it done that way. And I think, you know, when speaking to the, in, the investors we have, they'd rather have it done that way as well, where there's no capital call. Hey, right. just make sure you weather it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me for more money, but just make sure that, you know, the property stays, you're keeping it rented, you know, everything's operating. And then we can restart, like you said, the business plan, the capital uh, mm-hmm. expenditures and um, down the road once we actually are up on the uptick at this. Right. So when you're having 20 years experience in real estate investing, what would you tell a new investor that you're working with or that you're consulting with? Um, you know, one thing you see is, is so many people are so anxious to get a deal that sometimes they will um, sacrifice their fundamentals of real estate investing. You know, they may buy in a little bit uh, sketchy of a location or even worse, sacrifice their underwriting fundamentals and they end up overpaying. Um, and so I would just say, you know, be patient uh, and don't be so anxious to get a deal, but get the right deal. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I imagine you have investors bring you deals. So are they just, when they bring you deals, it, do you see the underwriting is just very aggressive in the mm-hmm. sense that they're saying, rent yeah. To, you know. Yeah, rent projections, uh, you know, rent increases are projecting, you know, three to 5%, uh, sometimes regardless of market, which is, is very, um, very aggressive. Uh, the reversion cap rate, which, you know, we all know is kind of a best guess, but, you know, you'll see people underwriting a reversion cap rate, maybe 20 basis points over what they bought it at. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, we try to use a, a full 100, 100 basis points over, over our um, going in cap rate at a minimum, uh, at a minimum 0.5, you know, 10 points a year for our average five year hold, but, but we try to uh, go a p- full point at least on reversion cap rate. And that's, that's probably the two biggest mistakes. When you're underwriting a deal, what do you guys usually put 
pencil out for reserves on the property? Uh, as far as um, 250 a unit. 250 a unit. Per year. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Awesome. And um, for other investors that you're, if you've spoken to any investors or anything that you would say for book wise or any type of education that you would suggest, is it important for them to work with a mentor? Is there any books that you would suggest them to read prior to getting involved with real estate investing? The, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a, is a basic fundamental of, of uh, most real estate investors from a mindset standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, it really helps you change the way you think about money. Um, if you're looking at, at syndication, uh, either from an active or passive standpoint, Joe Fairless's new book uh, is fantastic as far as the nuts and bolts of understanding real estate and syndication. Um, so those two are probably the, the best two that I recommend. I think Joe's book is the one I've given away the most in the past year. Yeah, that's a pretty in-depth uh, novel of, uh, of how, to, how to syndicate real estate. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know he focuses on multifamily. You guys focus on multifamily. You've been involved with a lot of different asset classes within real estate. What mm-hmm. are some of the factors that you bring you back to investing and having multifamily as your, you know, your predominant asset class that you invest in? Well, primarily it's, uh, you know, not the numbers. I mean, you're dealing with larger numbers. Uh, you have, um, you know, more doors under one roof, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, the scale is really what, what brings you back to, to multifamily over single family and, and um, small multifamily. I'm actually selling some of the stuff. I, I'm usually a buy and hold guy. Mm-hmm. forever but uh, but I'm selling some of my smaller stuff to to do more syndications just because the the economies of scale um, you know from uh, income and expense standpoint yeah it's it's a lot easier to cash flow when you're when you're speaking to new investors and they want to start with smaller properties I mean it's a great place to start but if they're looking to get that consistent cash flow, um, it's very difficult with the smaller properties, especially mm-hmm. like single family. I mean, I still own some, the three families and stuff that I initially bought years back. Um, I mean, you can get money out of them, but consistently, even in one of those type of properties, you have one unit leave or you're making make ready on one of them. I mean, you're not taking any money out of that property yeah. and you might not be for another two, two months or something like this. I mean, a simple yeah. illustration that I tell people is like, look, if you have a single family versus even a duplex, if uh, someone moves out of your house, you're hundred percent vacant. At least if someone moves out of your duplex, you still have 50% uh, occupancy. So that, that seems to click immediately for most people when they think about it that way. What, what type of commercial properties did you start with initially? You said you were doing that um, with your small multifamily. What size yeah, I, just, I just had a couple of uh, uh, small, um, they were actually single family homes that were converted into offices. And so uh, they were rented out that way through, through commercial um, to commercial tenants. Oh, so interesting. That yeah, that's a, that's a normal thing we see with older, with older houses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you very much for being on the show today. How can our listeners learn more about you and your, in your company, Trident? Uh, well, you can go to our website at tridentmultifamily.com. Uh, you can follow us on our social media platforms, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, we, we try to hit them all. And, uh, and then um, coming up soon, uh, we'll have, have our Trident Multifamily School that will be launching uh, through our website just to educate uh, people on multifamily 
um, investing from a, either an active or a passive standpoint. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is that a little bit more, is that going to be a one-on-one or is that going to be just a straight online course? How are you guys? Primarily, we, we wanted to put it out there simply just to educate um, passive investors because a lot of people that we have coming into our deals are friends and family or people that we meet at different um, events and so forth. They learn about what we're doing and the, the returns that we can provide um, and don't know anything about how to invest in real estate. So instead of going out and having him read Joe Fairless's book, we wanted to put together a few videos to explain the nuts and bolts of it so they can gain a better understanding of it. Um, so yeah, that was the primary focus of it. We may eventually, you know, roll it into something more in depth and, and, and all that, but uh, primarily just a, just a, as a giveaway or a free tool to educate past investors. The, um, yeah, I, I definitely see that when you're raising money from passive investors, it's education is probably the, 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 what you spend your time the most on and mm-hmm. you're explaining them how it works, how your firm works, how other firms are going to work with something, um, what yeah. they can expect, what issues you're avoiding and kind of like how you're navigating this whole process of purchasing a property. And especially like you said, with the larger multifamilies, yes, it's much easier on the scales of economy, but there's a lot more underwriting. It's than when you're just dealing with, you know, a three family or a single family and you have one lease and uh, you know, it's, it's very simple. It's a whole different underwriting strategy. And not to mention, you know, you, you want people who are going to be investing with you to be educated from a standpoint of, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of money. I mean, that they're putting, that they're putting at risk um, because it is a risk. I mean, even though real estate's a, a fundamentally sound investment vehicle, um, there's always a risk associated with that. So you want them to understand all the ins and outs and, and upside and downside of, of that uh, investment risk. So um, like I said, we educate, we try to educate through all of our social media platforms as far as, uh, you know, what it's all about. Um, but uh, this is something, a tool we're developing to, really get into the to nuts and bolts all in one place so people can truly understand and be educated whenever they do ma- uh, make a decision to invest with us. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. I will put all My the pleasure. links that you mentioned earlier into the show notes on YouTube and the podcast. So uh, thank you very much and looking forward to connecting with you in the future. Absolutely, Charles. Thank you. Thanks. Hi guys, it's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.